Life Church, Bronson Duke here. Thank you for listening in. Uh, we are in our Advent series, and what we're doing is we're just preparing our hearts to receive at Christmas. The Christmas season can be crazy, it can be busy, and it can stifle our souls. But what we want to do is we want to prepare our hearts to remember the meaning of Christmas and to receive all that God has for us in this season. All right. Good morning. How is everyone? Y'all doing well? Y'all are the real Christians in the house. Wow, the World Cup's going on and everything. This is good. Um, well, my name is Bronson. Uh, I'm one of the leaders and one of the pastors here, and uh, we're excited that you're here. We are in the Advent season, as, as Marius took us through, and uh, he read our, our text for this morning. And so if you want to turn to your Bibles, uh, it's Luke 2, 8 through 20 is what we're going to go through. It's going to take me a little bit of time. Uh, to get to the text, but we're, we're going to kind of walk through, I'm going to take you kind of through my, my journey this week. The fun thing about being a, a pastor is that you often have to teach on areas that are not your strengths. And so there are seasons in my life where this is a huge strength for me and I do great. There are seasons in my life where this is not a huge strength for me. And, and our topic this morning is joy. Everybody say joy. And so what I want to take you through is kind of my journey of going through this stuff and, and trying to unearth in my own life and in my own heart, what are the things that just stifle my joy? I wonder if anybody else has things in their life that can stifle their joy in this season. Um, I got a question. Have you ever tried to point to something and get a toddler to figure out what you're pointing at? Have you ever tried to do that? They're looking at your finger. They're like, is it that? Like, no, it's not that. Is it that? No, it's not that. It takes forever, right? They just can't see it. But often, they end up focusing on your hand, right? Like, hey, look at that. And the first thing they do is they, they look at your hand, and it can be so frustrating. Uh, at Christmas, our imaginations are filled with mangers and animals and shepherds and angels. And none of these things are bad things, but, but these are just pointing fingers, they're just symbols, they're just signs that are pointing us to the true source of peace, the true source of hope, the true source of light, and the true source of joy. And, and the problem in our world is that we've filled our world with symbols that have no meaning. We, we've filled our world, we've filled our holidays with all these things, and we, we've totally lost the meaning behind those things. How many of you guys, like when we went through what the meaning of the Christmas tree was, you'd never thought of it? My hand's up. This year, as I was going through all this stuff, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, there are so many things that I do every year that's just empty nostalgia, and it has no power to actually bring me the things that I need. But what we're trying to do is we're trying to recapture the meaning behind our symbols so that we can recognize what they're pointing at. And so we can remember what God's done for us. Y'all, our world is filled with so many pointing fingers. And what we're trying to do in Advent is we're trying to stop being like toddlers and fo focusing on the pointing hand. But we're trying to zero in on what is it pointing us towards our trees, our lights, our wreaths, our candy canes, our fat men with toys, right? What is behind all of those things? You know, ancient rabbis would say this. They said, teach your kids the story of Yahweh so deeply that they bump into him everywhere they go. Paint this picture of the world where they see Yahweh, where they see God, so clearly that they bump into him everywhere they go. So for us, we're learning the story and the meaning of God so that we can bump into him as we go to the mall, as we go to these places, as we do these things. Um, so what we've been doing the past three weeks, uh, is we've been critically examining our sources together. 
We've been examining our sources of light when we feel lost, our sources of peace when the storms of life rage, and our sources of joy this week when we feel numb. Um, The first week we talked about light. Uh, Our world is full of lights at Christmas because we all desire a guiding light, right? All of us want a guiding light um, in in the darkness of life. And, you know, this is why Christmas, oh my gosh, this is the toughest little water bottle cap. Okay. Uh, (laughs) This is why Christmas, zeroing back in, is celebrated at the winter solstice, right? It's the darkest night of the year and the light of God breaks in. Then last week we talked about Jesus as our peace in the midst of unspeakable pain. Uh, you know, we, we all are either in pain, we were in pain, or we're heading towards pain. I hope you're encouraged, right? That is the reality of life. And what we need is peace not in the form of numbing our pain, but peace in the midst of our pain. We don't need peace in the a, in a form of a way out of pain because that's not reality, Right? We need peace while we're in our deepest pain, and Jesus is our peace. And this week, we're going to examine how we seek to fill the void of joy. And so my thesis this morning is that Jesus brings joy that overcomes the disappointments of life. Jesus brings joy that overcomes the disappointments of life. And sermon title, if you're taking notes, is Rejoice, Our King Has Come. Let me pray. We're going to jump into it. God, I thank you for your word. God, we thank you for these moments we have together once a week to gather and just remember, God, what, what you've done, God, what you're doing and what you're going to do. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Um, you know, it's some of the littlest things, uh, like the, the best little things in life that spark joy, right? Like it's, it's the little stuff, you know? Uh, Friday, I hit that point when the plastic at the bottom of my deodorant started to show through. You all know what I'm talking about? And I had hit the end, right? It was the end of my deodorant. And uh, I was like, okay, I got to have an extra errand or whatever. And that afternoon, uh, I went to the garage to receive our daily mound of Amazon Prime packages. Um, And to my surprise, inside of one of the packages was my deodorant. Like two, two cartridges of the deodorant I use, my, my reoccurring deodorant subscription that I had totally forgotten about had hit the day that I needed it. Isn't that amazing? Oh my gosh, I was so, it was so satisfying. I was like, oh, this feels so good. It's like, I love perfect planning. Anybody else in here? I'm like, oh, I, I aced this. This is amazing. And I just got this little hit of joy. Have you ever had a time when you anticipated something and that anticipation was met with fulfillment? Um, like, like what you hoped for actually happened? It can be big things. For, for some, like certain elections, right? Like we're looking at politicians, people that we want to have elected. Uh, I heard a story where, where a pastor was talking about the atmosphere in Harlem when Barack Obama was, was elected. He was like, there's always energy in the city, but when Obama was elected, there was this electricity in Harlem because this anticipation, this hope within the community that one day a black man would lead from a house that was built by black slaves. And it was a a hope and it was a joy that just radiated for weeks and weeks and weeks within this community. For, For kids, maybe it's like you asked for something for Christmas, and then you actually got that thing, right? For me, I remember in 1999, it was a good year. Um, I, I got a Nintendo 64. Mom, do you remember that? <laughs> Barely. Uh, um, I do. 
I, I remember when I opened that thing up, I was like, oh, what I wanted, what I, like my most deep desire. And I got NBA Jam 99. I went in there and I wanted to play with Jordan. And I didn't understand that because he retired, he would no longer be in the game. <laughs> and my hope was, was you know, my joy was, was dashed just a little bit. Uh, a big one for me, y'all know I'm a Georgia fan, go dogs. Anybody else? Any other Georgia fans? It's just me. Okay, lonely. My mom. My mom's here. Everybody wave at my mother. Um, Georgia won a national title after a 41-year drought. Uh, this is joy. Look at this. Watch my Uncle Tom. This is joy. Okay, go to the next one. Look at his face. Y'all, I wonder if anybody else, like you just had moments like this through the year. Let, let those things come to your mind for a second. Moments where you've just anticipated and it's been met with, met with fulfillment. Y'all, these things can be so great and they're so good. Y'all, the joy is real, but, but here's the problem if we really look at it. The problem is that the joy doesn't last, Right? It eventually wears off. Like, if the president you want to get elected gets elected, at best, it's eight years, right? Sports dynasties, they rise and fall, Alabama fans. <laughs> our toys and our games, they get broken, they get outdated. Yo, my deodorant delivery legitimately brought me joy. I was so happy, it felt so good. And then I got a difficult phone call within like three minutes. And my joy, like Amazon subscription deodorant joy, just didn't <laughs> hold up, right? It just didn't. Y'all, joy is real, but, but these joys don't last. Why? Because it's shadow joy. It's shadow joy. It, it's not this joy that can truly fulfill us. Y'all, listen, I love good food. I, do. I love to go out. I love to eat. I love to cook. I love sunsets, I love books, I love sports, I love my friends. And if I'll actually do it, I love going on walks. Husbands, can I get an amen? Yo, all these things elicit joy for me. Yo, but it's, it's, it's not these things that truly bring me joy. It's the thing beyond the thing that I'm actually desiring. It, it's the thing that this stuff points to. It's the thing that my heart is made for that truly brings me joy. These things are just a pointing finger directing me towards the true thing that my heart longs for, which is a relationship and fulfillment with my creator. Y'all, don't mishear me. These things are good, but they're just that. They're good. They're good things that when understood properly point me to the best things. Y'all, listen, I'm not saying don't have joy. I'm not saying don't enjoy these things but I'm saying understand what is happening within you that it's pointing you towards. Shadow joy is joy that does not last or satisfy. But look at this, Colossians 2.17 says, these things are the shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Maybe you found yourself in a place where like, in your heart of hearts, you, you, you actually don't believe that you can walk in full joy. 
Maybe you are so afraid that you'll never find the thing that you're ultimately searching for that you've given up and you think these shadows are actually all there is to life. Y'all, there is so much more. This is what we're gonna try to dig into. Today, we're gonna slow down in the busyness of this season. Can I get an amen from somebody? And we're just gonna ask the simple question, how can we recapture our imagination and receive the joy that Jesus brings in these few moments together? Y'all, here's the truth. We need a joy that lasts. We need a joy that rises above our circumstances, not one that can be dashed by them. Why? Well, there are these deep longings within all of us. Some we can't even name. Longings to be known, longings to be loved, longings to be desired, longings for life to mean something, longings to be free of selfishness and insecurity so that we can actually love other people. But y'all, there's so much fear around this area. This is what I found. Fear is the thing that actually keeps us from joy. Fear is the number one destroyer of delight. Yo, this is why so many of us are languishing. We're afraid. Uh, Ronald Rollheiser, in, in his book, Holy Longing, which is a phenomenal book, says, delight is rare for adults, though it's not for children. If you want to see what delight looks like, look at my Uncle Tom, or go by any schoolyard sometimes when kids, the little kids, kindergartners and first graders, come out for their recess break. They simply run around and shriek. That's delight. You know, why don't we experience delight and joy as adults? Something I've been wrestling with. We have been conditioned by fear and disappointments in life. We've been conditioned to think that we're not actually going to get what we want or what we're going to is not actually going to fulfill us, and so we just go numb. Your kids have nothing to really worry about. Okay, I know that there are kids who do. But at the end of the day, like, they're not really carrying weight, right? <laughs> they're just playing. They live to play. Like, Georgia, I'm like, Georgia, what are you going to learn at school today? I ask her that every day. And she'd go, I play. It's like, okay, you know. We have a lot to lose as adults, and we know it. John Cheever said this. He said, the main emotion of the adult American who has all the advantages of wealth, education, and culture is disappointment. Let that sink in. I'm going to read that one more time. The main emotion of the adult American who has all the advantages of wealth, education, and culture is disappointment. I want to show you this graph. And I think this shows us where a lot of us live. You know, on a line, you have depression and you have flourishing, right? On one end, you have depression. On the other end, you have flourishing. I think most of us live in the middle. Most of us are going through life and we're just languishing. We're just going through life, we're doing our tasks, we're doing our stuff. And here's what I believe. I believe that God has so much more for us in life. I believe that God wants us to flourish. And so our goal as we're going through this season is to head towards flourishing, right? To recognize where we're at. You may be all the way on the other end of depression, but to start moving towards flourishing. Amen? You know, our greatest fear is that the deepest longings and desires of our life will not be fulfilled. And maybe in your Christian life, you've had joy, right? Like in the beginning, when you first got saved, you're like, oh my gosh, the, the joy of my salvation, like God has saved me, all of this stuff has happened, and then life has hit you, and you've had disappointment after disappointment after disappointment, and the totality of your Christian life is the drudgery of sin management. 
Like when you think about your life, you are existing, you're getting through life, you're feeling guilty about the things you're, you're still struggling with, and you're not actually experiencing the abundant life that God has to offer us. So I believe that God has designed for us a life of joy, a life of peace, but, but here's the reality. Just like anything worth having, it takes intentionality. It takes thought. And so that's what we're going to look at. Um, this is what the nativity sets for us. We're going to talk about the nativity scene a little bit here in a minute. Number one, we can trade great fear. This is the offer of Jesus. We can trade great fear for good news. We can trade great fear for good news. Luke 2, let's get into our text. And there were shepherds living out in fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. And the angel of the Lord said to them, what? Do not be afraid. I bring you good news. You know, for them, there were surface fear, right? Glory of God, angels, right? That, that would be terrifying. We think we'd like that, but I'm just telling you, if you're sitting out in a field and all of a sudden the glory of God knocks you over and an angel appears, you're like, what kind of mushrooms did I eat earlier, right? That's your first, I'm telling you, you're a shepherd, they're eating things like that, you're like, oh my gosh, what, what did I pick up? What have I done? And he says, don't be afraid, I, I've come from God. But yo, there's something deeper that's similar to what a lot of us feel. They wanted to know if they were going to see the fulfillment of what God had promised. This is what all of Israel was looking at and thinking about. They were under Roman occupation. They were under Roman oppression. And they had daily reminders that they were not free. And so all of Israel hungered and longed and prayed that they would see the coming of the Messiah. Yo, we have similar longings as Christians, right? Advent means coming. It means God has arrived. It's arrival. What we're celebrating is that God himself has come in Jesus, and he one day will come again. Right now, we're in the already but not yet, right? We're caught in the middle. We talked about that last week. And so this longing that we have for fulfillment is very similar to the longing that these shepherds would have had. They had this fear, though, that they weren't going to see it. It wasn't fear that God wouldn't do it. They had fear, I'm conjecturing, but they had fear that they might not see it. You know, they longed for a king. They longed for a Messiah who would bring peace and joy. But the problem was there was a different king on the throne. You know, it's interesting. There's so much language as you go in and you study uh, the first century that, that Christ essentially pilfered and stole from the Romans. That They believed in the Roman mind that Caesar was the God king. They deified him. They deified him, and they believed that he was the, they actually called him the son of God sent by the divine. He was appointed by God to bring peace and to bring good tidings to the world. Does this sound familiar? Through his wars, he did it. He brought peace to the empire. It was won for them by Caesar. This was called the good news, where we get our word for gospel. In, in the Roman mind, it's Caesar that brings great joy. It's Caesar that brings good news. Caesar is the one who defeated the enemy and brought peace to all men. Caesar is the one upon whom history itself turns and remembers. You'll look at this from the Roman provincial, uh, provincial assembly. Uh, it says this. It says, whereas the providence which divinely ordered our lives created with zeal and uh, munificence, it's a good word we use all the time, right? 
the most perfect good for our lives by producing Augustus, that's Caesar, for the benefaction of mankind, sending us and those after us a what? A savior who put an end to war and established all things, whereas Caesar, when he appeared, exceeded the hopes of all who had anticipated good tidings, and where the birthday of the God marked for the world the beginning of good tidings through his coming. Y'all, this was the Roman imagination around hope. Paulus Fabius Maximus, who we've all read, said this about the birth of Caesar. It's hard to tell whether the birthday of the most divine Caesar is a matter of greater pleasure or benefit. We could justly hold that it would be equivalent to the beginning of all things. And he's given a different aspect to the whole world, which blindly would have embraced its own destruction if Caesar had not been born for the common benefit of all. Caesar was their God. They had a slogan that Caesar is Lord. They called him the Son of God. He was the bringer of peace. And y'all, what they would do in the Roman world, when another battle was won, they would send something out called evangelists. These were bringers of good news. And they would go to towns in Rome and say, good news, I bring good news, glad tidings, great joy. Caesar has won another battle for you and you can still be at peace. They wanted to make Caesar's birthday the dividing line of history. But y'all, in this story, if you look at Luke 2, 1, it says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree. Y'all, he was a footnote in this story. And the reality is he's a footnote in the greater story of history. Jesus is the true son of God. Jesus is the true bringer of peace. Jesus is the one who divides history in two. Jesus is the one who has come for the peace and the salvation of all mankind. He is the true savior. He is the true Lord. He was not born into a palace, but into a stable. And his first heralds didn't go into great cities, but into a pasture. Isn't it remarkable God just turns everything upside down. We're offended by humility, right? We just are. We're offended by people from low standings. But what God did is he came in and he worked through people in humble places to do extraordinary things. Y'all, that is good news for each and every one of us. Y'all, the good news is that no matter how humble your station in life, no matter how bad your history, that the king has come. And he's come to vanquish your fear. He's saying, I brought glad tidings of good news. I've won the war for you, and you can walk in peace, and you have a hope, and you have a future. And your present suffering is not going to define your life. What I say will define your life. I am the one who divides history. I am the one who sets things as they should be. Y'all, that is the good news of Jesus. He says, do not be afraid. I have better news than the news of the world. I've won this peace not for you in other people's blood, but in my own blood. You, 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 have, you, you won't live under the fear of my boot, which every other king in the world says and does, but you've been invited to live under my grace and my love to find what you were made for. Keller says this. He says, the gospel is not advice. The gospel is good news, that you don't need to earn your way to God. Jesus has already done it for you. And it's a gift that you receive by sheer grace through God's thoroughly unmerited favor. The gospel is not about choosing to follow advice. It's about being called to follow a king. It's not someone with the power and authority to tell you what needs to be done, but someone with the power and authority to do what needs to be done and then offer it to you as good news. Number one, 
We can trade our great fear for good news. Number two, the good news accepted brings great joy. Luke 2.10, but the angel said to them, I bring you good news that will cause what? Great joy. I wonder if you've ever felt like this. I'm a fraud. Have you ever had that feeling? Like, I don't have a clue what I'm doing. And it's only a matter of time before someone figures it out. Like in your job, you're faking it till you make it. You're just trying to figure it out. And you're like, at some point, people are going to realize, I don't have a clue what I'm doing. Maybe in your friendships, there's things where it's like, oh, I'm just not who you, who you want me to be or who you think I am. Maybe as a parent, <laughs> hello, right? <laughs> it's only a matter of time before your kids figure it out. Now, that's reality. Don't worry about it, Siri. I don't know what I said. You know, he, he, here's the reality. We're all experiencing something collectively that's become known as imposter syndrome. Have you ever heard of that? Imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome, also known as the imposter phenomenon, is a psychological occurrence in which individuals doubt their skills, talents, or accomplishments and has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. Imposter feelings are generally accompanied by anxiety and often depression. Y'all, here's the good news that we have to accept. He is not coming for you because you've got it all together. He's coming for you because he loves you. He's not coming for you, expecting you to fill the void. He's coming to you saying, I've already done it. You just have to accept it. Y'all, this is incredibly difficult to accept because we have to admit we can't do it on our own. Have you ever been given a gift that humbled you? <laughs> like a book on weight loss? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> or like a book on time management, right? In order for you to receive that with joy, you have to say, I'm overweight and I can't manage my time and my life is a wreck. Thank you, this will help me, right? <laughs> That's difficult to do. Y'all, the most humbling gift that we can receive as the gift of salvation. We have to admit that there is nothing, we cannot pull ourselves together. No matter how hard we try, no matter how much people around us think we have it together, something within us convicts us and says you're never gonna be able to do it on your own. And the good news of the gospel is if we accept it, is that he has done it for us and he's given it to us as a free gift that only God coming to us and living for us and ultimately being killed by us is the way that we can come to be saved. Y'all, this is vulnerability. But on the other side of this vulnerability is the promise of joy. Brene Brown said this. She said, joy is the most vulnerable emotion we experience. And if you cannot tolerate joy, what you do is you start to dress, rehearse tragedy. I wonder... If for any of us, if, if we look at life and we look at situations, I was doing this yesterday. We had my boy's first birthday party. I wish I brought a picture. Uh, Roman understands how to eat cake, okay? This dude, it was like this whole part of his face and down was just blue cake. It was amazing. But in that, like I'm thinking about this and I'm thinking about joy and I've just realized I miss so many things 
because I'm not present in the moment, because I'm worried about something that's going to come the next day or the next day or in the next week or whatever. And, and the reality that I found in my own heart and my own life is that once I've accepted this good news and this great joy, it means that I can be present in the moments without fear of what's to come. But y'all, it's difficult. I was reading further, Brene Brown was talking about for her, she was on a flight. Oh my gosh, I, I've, I've started to do this all the time. She was on a flight and she was like, if this flight goes down, I lose my whole family. And what if I survive and my whole family is dead? Anybody else ever done that? You start rehearsing and you start going through these things. And she said, I was rehearsing stuff I had no control over. And it's just absolutely robbing me of joy. And so she said what she did, and I love this. I, I want to give this to you. Is she just decided, I'm going to be present. I'm going to be thankful. I'm going to start sitting here and remembering great times with my family. I'm going to remember the gifts that God's given me. And I'm going to rest. I'm going to rest in the joy of what God has already done instead of worrying about what might happen. Amen? You know, in Christ, when we accept the good news, we get to lay down our self-protections. We get to lay down our fears. We get to lay down our imposter syndrome, and we get to live with joy. And y'all, when we do that, we become the pointing finger. When we do that, we become the signpost of greater things that God has. When we do that, we become the ones in the world who say this is not all that there is. And people look at our lives, and they see that there is something bigger, greater, and more wonderful than they could ever imagine. Number three, this good news and this great joy is to be shared with all people. Luke 2, 10 and 11 says, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause you what? Great joy for who? All the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you and he is the Messiah, the Lord. You know, if, if your fear has been overcome by the good news, and the good news has brought you great joy, that good news and that great joy must be shared or it will become stale. It'll become stagnant. I'm telling you, if you're going through your life and, and you're a Jesus follower and you're like, I'm just languishing, when was the last time you shared your faith? When was the last time you got to talk to someone and share about what Jesus has done in your life. We're going to do an exercise here in a moment. We're just going to take some time and we're going to remember. But as I was going through this, I, I remembered something. Uh, my mom and I, uh, our family, we, we went to a church called First Presbyterian Church in Augusta. Uh, not First Pres, this would have been Lakemont. Lakemont Presbyterian Church in Augusta. It's right across the street from the Augusta National, which I had no idea was a big deal as a kid. Um, and I, I have this vivid memory. I wonder if you have anything like this where as a child, my mom would hand me her watch because I was a fidgety kid, and I always had to have something to play with. She handed me her watch, and she had one of those Twistaflex bracelets. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Uh, they had Twistaflex bracelets, and I would sit there, and I would just play with it. And I could sit there for I don't know how long and play with this thing and enjoy it, put it on my wrist and all this stuff. And one day, I had a friend come to church with me uh, named Tim Fells. And I was playing with it, and I could see Tim looking at it, and so I handed it to him. And this is one of my first memories of joy, is he sat there and he played with that bracelet and he played with the springs and let it go and was touching it. And he goes, he kept going, this is so cool. He had this funny like speech impediment. He'd go, this is so cool. Wow, this is cool. And I just watched him experience and enjoy it. And y'all, this like 
deep, deep joy welled up in my heart. Like I can still remember how it felt. You know, there is something remarkable that happens in us when we share what God has given us. He has designed us in such a way which is the total opposite of what the world says. The world says what you consume will bring you joy. God says it's what you give. It's what you sacrifice. And so what, what I want us to do is I, I want us to be thinking about, y'all, in, in this season, how can we share the good news? Like if, if you're lacking joy in your life, how, how can you go out and, and share with other people? How can you remember, y'all, listen, it may just be, hey, I need to be thankful. I need to remember what God has done for me and look for opportunities to share. Um, but I, I'm going to kind of close with this question, and we're going to walk through something together. Uh, who in here, you don't have to raise your hand, but who's just had like a December full of joy, just unstoppable joy? We've got a few people. I like it. We've got a few people. For some of us, for the rest of us, I guess I'd ask the question, who in here has been so busy that they almost can't wait for the holidays to be over. Anybody would admit that? Like it hasn't been all that joyful. You've just been so busy. You've been running around and shopping and going to parties and buying and shipping and sending and dressing and bill paying and trying to make things meaningful for your kids. And oh yeah, you still have to go to work, right? And oh yeah, you have football and the World Cup that's on that you're trying to enjoy and things like that, Right? And oh yeah, you just have the rest of your life and family dynamics and all this stuff you're trying to figure out. Where are you going to go for the holidays? How's that going to impact this person's feelings? And oh my gosh, I'm going to have to go talk to this person. And last time I talked to them, we really had it out and we haven't really made up, right? There's all this tension and there's all this busyness and your busyness blocks joy. It just does. I can't remember a a single joyful moment in my life where I was just busy running from one thing to the next. And so here's how I thought it might be good for us to close. Let's just take a moment and let's just clear out the clutter. We're going to take a few moments together and I just want to clear out the clutter. And what I want to do is I want you to remember a time in your life when you experienced like real, true joy. Let's just take a moment. You guys can close your eyes, whatever helps you focus. Let times of joy come to your mind. Maybe it was time with friends. Maybe it was time with family for me, my boy's birthday party yesterday. Maybe a time when like a prayer got answered or someone gave you just an amazing gift. Maybe a time when when you overcame something. Maybe when a prayer got answered, someone agreed to love you back, the birth of your children. Maybe a moment when God met you in pain or tragedy. I just want you to search out that moment. Just remember, just experience it. Just going to give you a second here.
Okay. Question. What does that moment tell you about the goodness and the character of God? What's that moment pointing to? What's it a shadow of? points you in the direction of the fullness of what we find in Christ. My friend Nicole posed a question this week, and I think it's such a good one. She said, peace and hope and light make sense as basic needs, right? We all need peace. We all need hope. We all need guiding light. But she said, joy, it just seems so frivolous. Why did God give us joy? She asked me this question. I started thinking about it, and I said, it's because he loves us. For, for my daughter, for my kids, I don't just want them to have security and peace. I don't want them to just have a guiding light. I want them to flourish. I want them to love life. I, every time my daughter laughs, she just, the lights turn on. And I just watch, and here's what I know. I know that someday something's gonna happen. that tries to turn the lights off. In the reality of God, he wants to turn the lights off. He wants you to experience joy. And so here's what I want to encourage you with. Find it. Remember, listen, you don't have to leave without it. But I'll tell you, as you go out, as adults, y'all, it just gets so complicated. Life gets complicated. We got to slow down and we got to look for it. Amen. And so we're going to go into a time of response. And we're going to respond in five ways. We're going to kind of put it all together this weekend. Um, Man, if there's things that are robbing your joy, and you just need to write them down and leave them with God and say, God, I'm going to trust you with this thing. I'm going I'm to quit running this over in my mind. Just leave it at the cross. Y'all, if you need to share your joy, y'all, there's no better time than Christmas or Easter to share the joy you found in Jesus. People in our culture are just, they're just going to come to church around Christmas time. Maybe go over and light a candle. Ask that God would give you a favorable moment to either invite someone to church or to share your testimony or to share what God's done for you. Amen. Um, we're going to have pastors around. There's going to be some people in the back. I'll be up front. I'm, I'm going to pray for you here in a second. Um, but if you've lost joy, you just need somebody to pray for you, lay hands on you. And we'd love to do that with you. And then lastly, uh, giving. We're, we're going to just do our offering right here. Um, and as I was processing it this week, um, the, the Bible says that God loves a cheerful and a joyful giver. Maybe for you, it'll just be giving and saying, God, I love to give to your kingdom. I love to give to what you're doing. This week, we've got a family. Uh, I got a call. There's a family coming in. There's no furniture. They have nothing. And so we got to buy that for them. We got to buy beds for kids and beds for a mom. They got nothing. They're moving to an empty apartment. Y'all, that's what we get to give towards. That's great joy, amen? If you'd love to partner with us in that and love to bless that family or other families, just come, let me know, or you can give and uh, give to local missions or give to the tithes and offerings, things like that, amen?
may lead us in prayer. God, we thank you for all that you're doing. God, we thank you for all that you've done. God, we thank you that you bring us great joy. God, I pray that you'd return to us the joy of our salvation. God, that you turn the lights back on for us. And here's what I want to do. Worship team's coming forward, but nobody looking around. Um, If you just need your joy back and you want me to pray for you, I'd love to do that. If you need joy, I'd just love for you to slip your hands up and uh, I want to pray for you. I see you, I see you, I see you. Anybody else? I see you. Give you one more moment. I see you. All right, if that's you, I just want you to hold your hands right out in front of you. I'm going to pray for you. God, I pray for each individual, each hand that was raised, each soul, each person. God, I pray that in the midst of whatever they're going through, if it's languishing or if it's pain, if it's relational pain, if it's whatever, God, I pray that you would just meet them. You'd meet them in the moments and you'd fill them with joy. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said? Two questions. What's God speaking to you? And what are you gonna do about it? Amen? Let's stand to our feet. Let's respond. Hey guys, thanks for listening in. I hope that this message blessed you and it helps you in your journey with Jesus. If it did, leave a comment, leave a review. Things like that help us spread the message of Jesus. Uh, If you wanna connect with us, the best way to do that is to follow us on Instagram at at NLC Downtown Little Rock to follow along with the life of our church.